Welcome to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Tonight, as you're having a seat, go with me to the book of Haggai, all right? And if you're thinking, Haggai, what? Go to the table of contents and find Haggai, all right? My Bible is in page 1,152. Tonight, I'm going to be... Reading from the New Living Translation uh, for all of the scriptures tonight. Normally, I, I like to study and read from the New King James Version. I study actually all of the, the, the versions. I read through them all and uh, study the Hebrew and the Greek and all that good stuff. We go and look and dive deep and all that kind of stuff. Tonight, as I was studying this and, and just as I was seeing how everything fit together, I just thought New Living Translation said it best for where we're going and what I believe the Lord is directing us to take a look at tonight. And tonight, the, the title of the message is The Blessed Decision. Everybody say The Blessed Decision. I think everybody, including those watching online tonight, want to be blessed, don't we? It's something that we all endeavor to be. You know, in fact, even, even in secular society, whenever something good is going on, somebody puts out there that hashtag blessed thing. And I'm like, blessed? You don't even know blessed. You know what I mean? Because my God is the God who blesses. And if you don't know him, then you don't know what it's like to be blessed. And the blessing simply is this, is the capacity to succeed. It's when God touches your life in such a way that it allows you to do more than you could do on your own and to be more than you could be on your own and, 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 and for things to go farther and better and faster. And I mean, life, when life is blessed, life just works. It's the capacity to succeed. That's what the blessing is. And we find an interesting set of scriptures here in Haggai, chapter number 2, and I'm going to start reading in verse number 11, I'm going to read down through verse number 13. Now, like I said, I'm reading in the New Living Translation, but you're welcome to read it in whatever translation you have, okay? And Haggai is bringing a message to the people who have come back into the land of Israel after exile. And he's already delivered them a message in chapter 1 about the fact that the house of the Lord was there in ruins, and yet they were living in nice paneled houses, And so he gave them an encouragement to start building the house of the Lord, and they kind of sat on it. They kind of just sat there and really didn't listen to what he had to say yet. But in Haggai chapter 2, verse number 11, starting out, it says, This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Ask the priest this question about the law. So Haggai hears from God, and he's supposed to go to the priest about the law. Now, the priests were supposed to be the ones who taught the people the law. They were going to be the ones who could teach the people about the law, the Old Testament set of standards that God had given to the nation of Israel. Verse 12, this is what he's to ask. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew, wine or olive oil, or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? The priest replied, no. Now, stop right there for a second. The priests were required to receive the meat of sacrifices from the people. Specifically, if you think about like the sin offering, the sin offering would have been a lamb without spot or blemish. They would have brought this lamb, they would have slaughtered it. They would have taken that meat and they would have prepared it a certain way as prescribed in the Old Testament. So one of the ways that they would do that is they would boil it in a pot, right? And they even had rules for the pots. If it was a clay pot after it was boiled, you would destroy the pot. If it was a bronze pot, then they would scour it and rinse it with water, okay? And and so They had this meat, and if they were going from one place to another, and maybe the meat was hot, I don't know, maybe they had beef jerky or something like that, could have been, right? But if they had it in the fold of their garment, in other words, if they had a piece of meat in their pocket, right, and they're going from one place to another, and they brush up against the olive oil, or they brush up against the bread, or they brush up against some other 
piece of food or that sort of a thing. He asks, does that sacrifice, which is holy to the Lord, right? Holy meaning separated. It's sanctified. It's set apart, right? Does it make the other thing holy? And they said, well, no. Then look at the next verse, verse number 13. Then Haggai asked, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And the priest answered, yes. So in other words, if I had holy meat in my pocket, right, and I touch something, it doesn't transfer. But if I've touched a dead person and I become ceremonially unclean, according to what the Old Testament law was, and I touch something else, it also becomes defiled or unclean. Now, there's a spiritual principle here that I want to kind of point out to you. But first of all, let's define some things. What does being holy mean? Okay, this is not a word that maybe uh, you've heard or maybe that you've used that much. Maybe you've heard it referred to as the Holy Bible or a holy God, that sort of a thing. Uh, But really, what does it mean for us? Holy means this, set apart for God's special purpose. Or if I could put it to you like this, exclusive to God. So if God says to you, I want you to be holy, what is he saying? He's saying, I want you to be set apart from the rest, set aside for my special purpose. I want you to be exclusive to me. So remember, we just talked about a sacrifice that was holy, right? What does that mean? That sacrifice was set apart for God's special purpose. It was to give atonement. It was to make a covering for sin for that individual. And because it was set apart, it was given to the priests. The priests could eat it afterwards, all right? So it was holy, but that holiness, that being set apart for God's special purpose, that exclusivity to God, when it comes in contact with something else, doesn't automatically make it holy. But when someone is ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person, it says that if they touch something else, and you can read this in the Old Testament law, if they touched a pot, if they touched a piece of clothing, if they touched another person, whatever they came into contact with, That was transferable. Now, again, there's a spiritual principle here, okay? We're going somewhere tonight, so I need you to follow me. And in order to follow, let me give you an example that you can actually relate to, all right? Because we don't do sacrifices. We don't carry meat in our pockets unless you've got the beef jerky itch, right? And so we don't normally, or maybe you're snapping into a Slim Jim or something like that. But we don't understand these things because we're so far departed from this type of lifestyle. Let me put it to you like this. If there is a sick child and you have a healthy child and the healthy child goes into the room with the sick child, would the sick child get better from being around the healthy child? No. But if a healthy child is sitting in a room by himself and a sick child comes into the room, could the healthy child get sick? Yes. All right. That we can relate to, right? That's essentially what God is saying about the nation of Israel. He's saying your health is an internal condition. And when you're healthy, it doesn't automatically make everything else healthy around you. But if you're sick, you're going to transfer that, that, that internal thing to other things around you as well. Is everybody following now? This is an internal problem that God is dealing with with the nation of Israel. Haggai chapter 2, verse number 14, then Haggai responded, that is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Now remember, this was God's chosen people. We thought 
that the nation of Israel, just because they were Israelites, were holy. We thought because they were in the quote-unquote holy land, they would have been holy because they were around the temple that was to be built that they were to be holy. And yet God says it's not so because of the condition of your heart, everything you're touching is dead. It's not working out. Now, death, we understand that death means it's done, right? There's a separation from God. Death means that there's no activity. There's nothing moving forward. There's nothing living. But in being holy, there was that separation from God's special purpose. There was exclusivity to God. This spiritual condition that the people had was a spiritual sickness that transferred to the rest of their lives. What specifically was the spiritual condition that Israel is dealing with here in Haggai chapter number 2. Let's read on and we'll find it. Haggai chapter 2, starting in verse number 15, and I'm going to read down through verse number 17. Starting in verse 15, take a look at what it says. It says, look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation. Verse 16, when you hoped for 20 bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refused to return to me, says the Lord. See, the spiritual condition was apathy towards the Lord's house. Really, in essence, towards God himself. You understand? Because the Lord's house represented something in the nation's lives. It represented the presence of God. Because when they built the temple, God filled the temple with his presence. So it represented that God was with them, but not only his presence, it also represented the priority of their lives. Priority in the sense of a a lot of different areas. Authority, right? Because the law came from God. And so God's presence and God's priority would be his authority over their lives, telling them how to live life how to live blessed, how to do marriage, how to raise a family, how to do business. It represented the priority. It represented the priority of their finances because they would bring their tithes into the storehouse of God. And that showed God, God, you're first even before my money, even though, even before my prosperity, even before my need and my desires, God, you're first. It represented the priority of their entire life. So it was God's presence and God's priority that they had a spiritual sickness of apathy towards those things. And as long as they were ignoring God's house and were about their own lives apart from him, they were going to have lack in problems. Notice God says, I sent a blight. I sent hail on the crops. I did those things. Why? So that you would return to me. God was getting their attention with adversity. There were things going on that they would have problems. Now, we know that not every problem is God trying to turn us back to him, right? There are things that that happen in life. There are things that we do that we curse ourselves, if you will, where you get out from underneath the covering of God and we are open to the attack of the enemy. That's why they were taken into captivity is because they refused to repent of their sin. And so God said, hey, there's going to be a nation that that I raise up that's going to take you into captivity if you continue to do this. They were at fault for that. And they were at fault for their apathetic attitudes towards the house of God. And so God says, hey, there's going to be a rain. There's going to be blight. You're not going to receive the crops. You're going to go looking for 20. You're going to find 10. You're going to go looking for 50. You're going to find 20. 
half of what they're expecting they're getting. Why? Because they weren't wholehearted for the Lord. They were half-hearted towards God, and because they were half-hearted towards God, they only got half results. But think about this. If you're going somewhere, and going to that place requires a full tank of gas, and you only have a half tank of gas, are you going to get all the way to your destination? Absolutely not, right? See, the problem that we have as Americans, I think, is that we will settle for half. But we don't understand that half is not good enough. I'll settle for 10. I'll settle for the 20, right? I was expecting this. I'm disappointed. But you know what? C'est la vie. Such is life. And yet God is saying, listen, that's not what we're talking about here. You need the 50 to live on. You need the 40 to get by. And yet, if you settle for 20 and you settle for apathy and you settle for half-hearted, it's not going to make it. And you will continue to have problems as long as you keep ignoring the problem. Because the real problem is on the inside. It's a heart problem. It's not a problem with the land. It's not a problem with the opportunity. It's not a problem with the surroundings. We're in the Holy Land. We're around God. We are the people of God, and yet we've got problems. Why? Because we've got problems. There's an internal thing going on that has to be addressed. And as long as the people were apathetic towards the house of God, they were going to have the same issues in their lives. These were messengers, these problems, to call the people to repentance. These were messengers that God sent to bring them back to himself. Let's look at the resolution of the matter in Haggai chapter number 2, verse number 18 and verse number 19. Everybody still with me? Still with me online? I can't hear you, but I hope you are. Look at verse number 18. This says this. Think about this. 18th day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. He said, I want you guys to take note of this day. Now, three months prior, if you read in the first chapter of Haggai, the first word came to them. And now here we are three months later, and they've finally gotten around to getting the work done. And so he says, I want you to note this day, the day that you started building the foundation of the temple. I want you to mark this on your calendar. I want you to remember this day. Why would he want them to do that? Verse number 19, I'm giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. You have not yet harvested your grain. And your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But from this day onward, everybody say this day. Come on, say it again. Say this day. Type it in the comment section right now. Put it in all bolds and all caps if you need to. This day. From this day onward, look at this. I will bless you. Remember, we already said that the blessing is the capacity to succeed. With Half a tank, they weren't going to get all the way to the place that they needed to go. But now that they put their heart into the work, and on that day that they started to build the temple, something shifted in the spirit. Something took place that was supernatural. The blessing was released from the hand of God. Why? Because they put the priority where it needed to be, and they dealt with the spiritual condition that was causing them to be sick and have problems, and now they're on the road to blessing with a whole heart, with a full tank, and they're going to make it all the way to where they needed to be. And I believe that this message is not just a message for national Israel. I believe that this is a message for all of us. 
Because I've seen this with many people in church over the years and, and seeing people get saved and seeing people get filled with the Holy Spirit of God, seeing them start to learn things about the Bible. My goodness, they, they get their SPT. They go through the five lessons. Man, they get all built up and encouraged. Man, they go through the growth path. They go through all the classes. They get water baptized and they learn things and they start to volunteer and serve. They go to our Bible college and people just get on fire and they're built up. And my goodness, they'll come with their prayer requests. Pastor, will you pray for my brother to get saved? Pastor, will you pray for my mom to get saved? And one by one, we see their family members come to the Lord. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's momentous. And you see them. They're just elevating in the things of God. After a while, they come to you, Pastor, I'm believing God for a job. And we pray for a job. Man, they get that job. They start to be blessed. They start to prosper. Man, they'll even testify. You know, it was the day that I gave my heart to the Lord that things for me started to turn around. Things started to change. Got off drugs. Got off alcohol. Got out of that terrible relationship that was holding me back. Family members started getting saved. They got the dream job. I got the, the, the job. Man, next thing you know, they're believing God for a home. And they're, they're just believing God and praying. And we're praying with them and agreeing and believing believing God, and man, they get the home, and then eventually, man, they're so prosperous, they might get a couple sand rails and some toys, and they're out of Glamis having a good time with the family, and don't see them for a weekend. That's cool. That's fine. They're able to take a weekend off. It's all good, and here, the next time you know they're in church, they're kind of halfway back. Used to be on the front row, but now they're about halfway in the middle back, and then after a while, you know, they're, they're pastor, pray for me. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm struggling, and, you know, life is still good, and God's good, but, you know, I just don't know what's going on. I'm just not feeling very close to God. Next thing you know, they're in the back of the church, you know, last row, kind of towards where the door is, and we're running out to go and greet at the back door, and did, did I see so-and-so in church? I thought they were here. Yeah, I saw them too, but, the, you know, why didn't they come say hi? They used to always say hi. They used to always have a smile and a good word, and Tell us what God was saying, what happened to them. I don't know, man. They, they had to be out for some reason. Then it's not every week. It's every other week. And then it's not every other week. It's every third week. And then it's not every third week. It's once a month. Then it's not once a month. It's once every other month. And we see people get off of God. We see the priority of their life shift. Because they get their heart in the wrong area. They get it on the blessing rather than the one who blessed them. We see this. And guys, tonight, I want to just refocus us as a church. I want to refocus our hearts online. I'm speaking to you guys as well. Because whether we're in a time of prosperity and blessing, or whether we're in a time of adversity and hardship, it doesn't matter. There's a couple of spiritual takeaways that I want to bring to us that I believe if we will keep these things in focus, just two things tonight, two things that I want to pull out of the Scripture tonight. I'm not going to make it hard on you and give you three. I know that's so tough. I'm going to give you two things, two spiritual takeaways that I see from the word that we read in Haggai. Two things that if we will keep right here, that will help us. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? In the same way, the word of the Lord is medicine to our bones. It's health to our flesh. This is our life and our breath. It's the light that we live by. It's what brightens the soul. This is what keeps us in line with where we need to be. And whether you're in prosperity and you want to continue in the blessings of God or whether you're in adversity and the messengers are telling you to get back to God tonight, make sure to take note of these two spiritual takeaways so that you don't end up like that story that we just told of the person who skyrockets in the things of God, has so many blessings, starts to be encouraged, and then all of a sudden finds himself back out of church, backslidden, and wondering how they got there. Two spiritual takeaways for tonight. First one is this. First one is this, is keep your heart holy. Keep your heart 
holy. See, the temple was a holy place. The sacrifices were holy. The men of God, the priests, were holy people. They were consecrated. They were set aside for God's special purposes. And at that time, God used those things. But now God has chosen to make His people, all of us, you and I, His holy chosen people. God gives us commandments in His words to be holy. And this is, remember, a heart matter. And an unholy heart will defile everything in your life. Just like we talked about, the meat and the garment didn't make everything else holy, right? The meat and the garment was for the person that was carrying it. And so Jesus comes into your life, and now you are God's holy person. You are his child. You are set apart for him. You are holiness unto the Lord. He says, you are set aside for my special purpose. You're set aside from the world. You're no longer a part of that. You are a peculiar people. You are special to me. And guess what else? You are exclusively mine. But over time, if our heart gets divided, if our interests get divided, maybe it's over a political thing, maybe it's over a social thing, maybe it's over an economic thing, maybe it's over a, a fleshly desire, and we touch that dead thing, you know what happens? It won't be long before everything else that we touch will become defiled too. Why? Because that thing that we allow to touch us that defiles, if we continue to live in connection with that dead thing, the, the dead thing speaking of our old life, speaking of our past, speaking of the flesh, speaking of the world systems and those things that could defile the heart, that cause mixture and cause us to be unholy, cause us to be separated where we're not exclusively God's, but now we're divided between the Lord and the world. See, if we allow that thing to continue to defile us, then everything we touch, your work will be defiled. Your marriage will become defiled. Your children, raising them up, will become defiled. You know, they're only going to do what they see you do. And if they see you with a divided heart and divided loyalties, divided interests when it comes to the things of God, they see you once a month going to church, they're not going to go to church at all. They might like God, they might have a heart towards God, or they might say, yeah, my parents were Christians, but I know better, and therefore I'm an agnostic because I understand more than they understand. Guys, it's happening in our day and age. Take a look around. They're calling it deconstructing their faith. See, they're not putting together things and coming to the God conclusions. They're taking things apart and saying, well, this doesn't make sense. And because that doesn't make sense, I'm going to throw that out. I like being good. I like the love of God, but I don't like the justice and the wrath of God. So I'm going to take that and throw that out. It's not a part of my life. That doesn't fit into my worldview any longer. And so I'm deconstructing my faith. Guys, it's happening in our day. And what it's doing is defiling every area of their life. Many people have left the pastorate. Many people have left Christian music. Many people have left Christian authorship and different things that they were using that were holy, that were God's specific purposes, and now they're defiling everything that they touch. It's happening in our day, and it's happening in the church, and that evil inside will transfer to everything around you. Look at Matthew chapter 15, verse number 18. I'm going to read down through verse number 20, just the first part of it. Matthew chapter 15, verse number 18 through 20, part A. But the words you speak come from the heart. Everybody say, from the heart. That's what defiles you. Verse 19, for from the heart. Everybody say, from the heart. Come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. Verse 20. These are what defile you. The things inside are what defile you, not the things outside, not the external things. That's why Jesus always raised the stakes, didn't he? 
People would say, well, I never committed adultery. And he'd say, did you ever look at someone lustfully with your eyes? If so, then you've committed adultery. Ooh, whoa. Wait a second. There's a whole lot more guilty people on the planet now, aren't there? Well, I've never murdered anybody, God. I, I still hold the commandment. He says, did you ever hate somebody in your heart? Whoa. Now, all of a sudden, we got a whole lot more murderers, don't we? See, Jesus said it's not what the external, because you can behave so good, you can get off on, on technicalities all you want, but God sees past those external things. It's from the heart that defiles us. See, holiness is to be pursued every day in our lives. We're to be set apart for God's special purposes. Every day when you wake up, your prayer should be, God, good morning. I love you. Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And God, today I'm set apart. I am holy. I'm set aside for you. God, I am exclusive to you, God. This is you and me. This is our relationship, Lord. Here's your servant. I'm listening. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to say it, God? Lord, whatever you want, God, I'm yours. First Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read verse number 14 and 15, but maybe in your New King James translation, you can see in verse 13, it says, to gird up the loins of your mind. You know, your loins are right about here, right? Some of us have a little more loins than others. And so, remember we were talking about meat in the garment, meat in the fold of the garment. Oftentimes, they would take their robe and they would carry it in the fold of their garment close to them because they didn't want it touching anything. You don't want your food touching other stuff, right? So they would carry it in the fold of their garments. So Peter says, I want you to gird up, to gird meant to support, to wrap around, to, to strengthen the core, all right? Much like a weight lifter would wear that weight belt that covers their core so that as they're lifting heavy weights, nothing's going to pop out, no hernias. It keeps them in the right posture, all that kind of stuff. So he says, I want you to gird up the loins of your mind. But look at verse number 14. This is, again, in the New Living Translation. Look at this. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Verse 15, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. And the next verse goes on to say the Scripture, be holy for I am holy. God wants all of us to be holy. God wants all of us to be exclusively holy. His. He wants us to get a hold of that meat in the garment. See, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb that was slain for you and I. Jesus is the one that we've got to wrap around our lives and hold near and dear and close to us. And as we do that as obedient children, doing the will of the Lord in every area of our life, we can be holy, exclusively God's, set apart for his special purposes in every area of our life, every day of our lives. Can anybody say amen to that? Second thing is this, spiritual takeaways. Number one is keep your heart holy. Number two is this, second thing for tonight is this, is establish a blessed life on the right foundation. You can establish a blessed life on the right foundation. See, when you make a foundation of the presence of God and his ways, and you make that your priority, then you can't help but be blessed. In fact, the Bible talks about blessings overtaking the righteous, right? Where you could not run away from the blessings fast enough that the blessings will actually be like a bear or a lion running after you, overtaking you, grabbing you, and wrestling you to the ground. I mean, that's the type of blessing I want, don't you? That's the type of, I want the blessings to just overtake me. I want them to overwhelm me. I want the, the capacity that God has for me to succeed to be something that I can't get away from. I can't get it off of my life. I can't wrestle my way out of it. I'm going to be blessed no matter what. 
And that can only happen with the right foundation. The Bible has a lot to say about foundations, doesn't it? Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mountain. He said, whoever builds on the foundation of my words, that when the winds come and the storms rage, that it will stay, that house will stay because it's built on the rock. The foundation is the rock. But he said, whoever builds on the sand, their house will be torn down. And it says, great will be its destruction and its fall because it was built on the sand. But I want to point out a different part of the scriptures that talks about the foundation of our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn over there with me into 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Anybody getting anything out of this tonight? Praise God. How about you guys online? Anything good happening in this message? 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. The Apostle Paul starts talking to the Corinthian church about their divided interest. They have a carnal mindset, meaning a fleshly mindset. They're supposed to have a spiritual mindset, wholehearted in the Spirit of God. And yet, they had a half-hearted response to God, and they had a half-fleshly response. And they started getting in factions. I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of this guy. I'm of that guy. We're more spiritual than you are. You know, we've got the apostleship. Well, we like this guy's preaching. We like that guy's teaching. We like what this guy's doing over here. We like this group. We like that group. Some people say, I'm of Christ. And he says, are you not carnal? Aren't you a bunch of meatheads? That's what carnality really was. It's carnal, carne meaning flesh or meat, right? And, and so they were carnal-minded. That means they were just a bunch of meatheads. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read verse number 11. Most of the time people laugh at that, so I was just waiting for you guys to laugh, but I guess they're not. I think that the online congregation was laughing along with me because they are way more spiritual. That gets a laugh. That gets a laugh. Okay, I see. Verse number 11, look at what it says. For no one, everybody say no one. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. What is the foundation? Last two words in the verse, Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation that you can lay in your life except Jesus. Jesus is our foundation that we build our lives on. But drop down to verse number 17. Look at this in verse number 17. It says this. It says, God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is what? Oh, come on, online, type it in. God's temple is what? God's temple is holy. Look at this. And you are that temple. Isn't that awesome? God's temple is holy. It is set apart for God's special purpose. It is exclusive to God. God's temple is holy. But listen, as you're keeping a holy heart, make sure that you are built on the right foundation. Because God said, mark this day. I want you to write it down. I want you to circle it on your calendars. I want to make a note of this right now in front of everybody while the seed is still in the barn. I want you to look around and notice what you have, what you don't have, and watch as the crops grow. Because if you will build on the foundation that is already laid, no other foundation can be laid except that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if you will build on that foundation, then look at your life as you build, as you build that holy temple, as you keep a holy heart, then guess what's going to happen? Your life will be blessed. You can't help it. It's going to happen. Why? Because you've got the right priority and you've got the presence of God. You know, King David, when he was bringing the ark, which represented the presence of God in Jerusalem, and, and the guy who had it on a cart turned around to grab a hold of the ark because they were hitting a bumpy patch and the wrath of God broke out against him David said stop we can't do this 
I can't bring the ark to me in Jerusalem. And they stopped, and they put it at the house of a guy who was living right there close by. And because of the presence of God, that man's house was blessed. Crops, herds, man's life was just happening. Why? Because he had the presence of God. And now God is no longer represented in a box as his presence. He's no longer represented in a tent or in a temple. You know where his presence is now? Right here in the holy heart. God's presence. If you have God's presence in your life, if you've got the presence of Almighty God, then guess what? If you're built on the rock, the foundation of Jesus Christ, then your life will be blessed. Come on, somebody ought to say thank you, Lord, for that. Tonight, what have we learned? We learned that the blessing is the capacity to succeed. That holiness is being exclusively God's. That we are set apart for God's special purposes. And the two spiritual takeaways that we had when we read through these verses is, number one, that we need to keep our heart holy. And number two, that we need to establish a blessed life on the right foundation. As you do those two things, each and every day of your life, you will see that God will bring in order the things that are going on in your life, and he will bless you. Oh, my goodness. It's, it may take time. Sometimes, right, producing fruit takes time, doesn't it? That's why God said, mark this day, because I want you to look at the grapes. I want you to look at the figs. I want you to look at all these things. It wasn't just like immediately there. It was a season of growth. Tonight, if you've made a change, if you've realized in your heart, my goodness, i got to keep a holy heart. If you looked at your life and you realized I've got divided interests and now it's time for me to bring these things back together. If you realize that you've got the wrong foundation laid, tonight is your night and we're going to talk about this in a moment. But I want you guys to mark this day, and I want you to watch the season of growth ahead that God is going to bless your life. Shall we pray together tonight? Come on, let's all bow our heads. Let's all close our eyes, and let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful tonight for your word, which is holy, God. It's set apart for your special purposes in our lives. And God, your word is exclusive to you. We thank you, Lord, that we can't find this any other place but here with you. So tonight, God... I know that you've already spoken to your people. And I thank you for the things you've dropped in their hearts. For the message of Haggai from thousands of years ago that still speaks to us today. God, where we've gotten off track, Lord, we choose to repent. We turn from our way. We reject apathy, lethargy towards your house, your presence and the priority of who you are in our lives, God. We reject unholiness, unholy thinking, and an unholy heart, God. And Father, we present ourselves to you tonight. Here's our hearts, God. Cleanse us. Restore us, Lord. Fill us up. We thank you, God. Tonight, if you're ready to just make that fresh rededication, that fresh consecration, saying, I just want to be set apart for God's holy purposes. You're already a believer in Jesus, but tonight you're saying, I just want to renew that commitment. Would you just lift a hand before the Lord right now? This is a holy moment. No one sees this but you and God right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just lift up a hand before the Lord. If you just want to Reconsecrate, if you will. 
You say, I'm, I'm going to just refresh and renew right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this time of consecration. And for every hand that is lifted, God, I thank you, Lord, that you meet us right here where we're at, God. Lord, we are set apart for your holy purposes. Here we are to do your will, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.